to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Ezekiel 25 in the Old Testament. And the last time the message was titled, The Bitter Accompanies the Sweet Here. You know, many are trying to make their utopia in this world, in this, on this earth, in this dispensation. But, you know, we, we are living, unfortunately, in, in a fallen creation. Jesus, the Lord's going to come back, right? We, the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we look forward to a really great time uh, where the Lord remakes everything. There's no more sin, no more war, no more killings. That stuff is a thing of the past. Um, however, the reality is that Jesus said in this world, we will have tribulation. John sixteen thirty three. but be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world. We just will see the results of that at a later time. Now, I just feel like I, as a teacher, I always want to make sure I read it, I study, I understand it. I need to convey that to the congregation. Now, I'm not sure that I connected all the dots last Sunday, so I'm just going to go back briefly to a point of towards the end of the sermon, actually at the very end, we read about Ezekiel the prophet, who I don't believe was an old man based on what I read about his life uh, and his wife. Uh, his wife died suddenly. Ezekiel's wife. And, and I said, people had come to salvation through that. Now, what I meant was, and you have to follow the progression, is that God was doing everything he could to get his people to understand they were on the wrong road, that their wickedness could be forgiven, but they had to stop. They had to repent. And he used illustrations. He used Ezekiel doing skits and mimes and all kinds of things. And sort of like the last thing that he used, sadly enough, was the illustration of Ezekiel's wife. When she passed away, even the pretentious clergyman still had a respect for Ezekiel and his family. They would come and they would listen to him, even though their hearts weren't right. So when Ezekiel's wife passed suddenly and he didn't mourn and he gave that illustration, it was a shock to the Jews. It was a shock to the Israelites when that information got back to Jerusalem. So taking everything in context and all together, some would have, was it 10 people? Was it a hundred? Was it a thousand, 10,000? I have no idea, but some would have received that information and repented just like today, right? We could be going on the wrong path and, and we get a scare, a health scare or something. And people have come to Christ amazingly enough through a negative situation. So I just wanted to make sure I made that clear. If I didn't last Sunday, some people still had questions about that. This morning, the message is titled justice for everyone, justice for everyone. If you look at the Supreme Court on the top of the building, it's engraved in stone. It says equal justice under the law. So justice is a potentate or a judge who's objective, who looks at a situation and could decide for or against a person or an entity. That's what justice is. Sometimes it can go in your favor, sometimes it might not, but it has to be equal and it has to be objective. Today we hear all kinds of justice movements. 
Unfortunately, they put qualifiers before the word justice, which doesn't make it justice. Justice needs to be like a broad-spectrum antibiotic. It needs to take care of everything. So justice for everyone, if we could put up the map, we're going to see that, well, God loves the world. And when he deals with the world and the world's kings, kingdoms, he blesses them, right? When you look at, this is really, this is modern-day Israel, probably right around here. Um, this is actually modern-day Lebanon, but these were the old Phoenician states. I'm bringing you back to history, right? Tyre and Sidon. Um, actually, Beirut is right up here, modern-day Beirut. Uh, when you look over here and you look at Edom, Moab, and Ammon, this roughly, if I can do this, is modern-day Jordan on the east side of the Dead Sea, right? However, these were the old kingdoms of Ammon, Moab, and, and Edom. Here is the Philistine states. They were also a seafaring people. So let's look at justice, blessings, and discipline. These states, right? Israel was the land of milk and honey, but God also blessed the seafaring people with abundance of fish and things from the sea that were natural. Uh, when we go over to up here in the, the Lebanon or Tyre and Sidon, uh, ancient, they had an abundance of beautiful timbers and trees that were actually used to help to build the temple. So God blessed everyone with diverse natural resources, etc. He also has to judge sin. And we've been reading really up until the last sermon how Israel, his own people, had to be disciplined for their wickedness. Now we're going to read about those that are surrounding that also get disciplined for their wickedness. So that's what we're going to cover. God is a, a fair God. He's a, a fair creator. He loves everyone. He's going to mete out blessings and discipline at the same time. So this is what we're going to be looking at. And we're going to look at it in three parts. And let's jump in. Verse 25. Ezekiel 25 in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, set your face against the Ammonites and prophecy against them. Say to the Ammonites, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because you said, Aha, against my sanctuary, meaning the temple, when it was profaned and against the land of Israel when it was desolate and against the house of Judah when they went into captivity. Indeed, therefore, I will deliver you as a possession to the men of the east or the Babylonian hordes. This becomes even more remarkable understanding that these things were said before it actually took place. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in Scripture. If you just go on the news and say, oh, yeah, something happened today, big deal. You don't stand out from anybody. But a prophet would say these things before they took place. That's why they were codified. And they set their encampments against you and make their dwellings among you. They shall eat your fruit. They're going to come into your land. They shall drink your milk. And I will make Rabbah a stable for camels and Ammon a resting place for flocks. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, because you clapped your hands and stamped your feet and rejoiced in heart with all your disdain for the land of Israel. Indeed, therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and give you as plunder to the nations. I will cut you off from the peoples. I will cause you to perish from the countries. I will destroy you and you shall know that I am the Lord. We move to Moab. Thus says the Lord God, because Moab and Seir, or Mount Seir, say, Look, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Big deal. Where's their God? Right? They're going through something. You hear that stuff today. 
Therefore, behold, I will clear the territories of Moab of cities and the cities on the frontier, the glory of the country, Beth Jeshemoth, Baal Meon, and Kirjathaim. To the men of the east, I will give it as a possession together with the Ammonites, that the Ammonites may not be remembered among the nations. And I will execute judgments upon Moab, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Judgment on Edom, verse 12. Thus says the Lord God, because of what Edom did against the house of Judah, by taking vengeance, we'll talk about that vengeance, has greatly offended by avenging itself on them. Therefore, says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom, cut off man and beast from it, and make it desolate from Teman. Dedan shall fall by the sword. I will lay my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people Israel, that they may do in Edom according to my anger and according to my fury, and they shall know my vengeance, says the Lord God. Judgment on Philistia. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart, to destroy because of the old hatred, old prejudices, you know, harboring this bitterness against somebody else, right? Different ethnicities, etc. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines and I will cut off the Cherethites to destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes and they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. So one out of three is, you see, again, the justice outside of Israel. We covered Israel all the way up to chapter 24. Now we're going to the other nations. Then we're going to go into some really hot prophecies that are coming alive as we speak in 2021. Can't wait to hit that part. So verse 1 through 7, Ammon, I showed you the map. Uh, We find through scripture that the surrounding nations did rejoice, sadly, in the destruction of the Israelites. It says they clapped their hands and stomped their feet, but they also helped the Babylonians. And this is how deep it goes. And this is my job to bring out the, the stuff that maybe, you know, you don't see on the surface through other scriptural books and, and historical accounts. So they actually helped the Babylonians physically destroy Jerusalem. And sadly enough, when the Israelites were trying to flee, when the siege was going on, they would catch the fleeing Israelites and hand them back to the Babylonians. Very cruel. So God is not a petty God. When you look into the depths of what these people were doing, he had every right to be upset with them. They also, many of them were thwarting the rebuilding process of Jerusalem and the temple. They were trying to. Verses 8 through 11, Moab and Edom, similar situations, right? We talked in the past and we see this a lot about not rejoicing in someone else's downfall. And there's a temptation in the flesh. Listen, we can talk about ancient history, but... At the end of the day, we want to know on a Sunday morning, how does this apply to my life, right? Is that it it speaks about not rejoicing in someone else's fall. And we've been going through this. You know, I think about even cancel culture today. We kind of like snicker at the culture. You know, somebody says something or it's they misspeak and everybody jumps in, especially on Twitter and social media. They're like rabid animals, like tearing the carcass. And then you find out later some of these people had skeletons in their own closet. You know, I don't, I don't like to partake in that. I like to expose cancel culture because it's disingenuous. So, P- Pastor Joe, how do I apply this to my life? I'm giving it to you right there. I'm giving it to you right there. It's serious. You know, Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Now, there was a contextual issue with this woman who was caught in adultery. Nobody did it because he exposed their hypocrisy. But I got to be honest with you, even as a pastor, I'm not casting any stones against anybody. 
You know, I read something in the paper and, and my attitude is, you know what, it'll work itself out. Eventually, they'll get to the truth. We'll figure it out. But I don't want to be that person dogpiling on the rabbit, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Um, so there's a lot of good lessons we can learn from this. Verses 12 through 14, Flavius Josephus in Antiquities 1. Now, this is, these are historical works that uh, this guy was not a Christian. He was a Roman historian. He said, and, and again, it goes right to what the scripture said. After the Babylonians dominated Jerusalem, they did the same to Moab, Ammon, and even Egypt couldn't stand up against them. God's word is always true. His prophecies always come to pass. Even secular historians uh, concede to the fact that the Bible is true. It tells history before it happens. So I, I mix a lot of things into the cake here, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, you know, today, Ammon, Moab, and Edom, Ammon, Moab, and Edom make up Jordan, right? Actually, I knew a, a friend of mine served as a soldier in Jordan. He was stationed there. Told me a lot about Jordan. Jordan is going to have the honor when the last rise of anti-Semitism, future of 2021, takes place, especially in Europe. Jordan is going to have the honor of harboring the Jews that flee there. They're not going to turn them away this time. They're going to, from what we read in scripture, settle in Petra, the rock city, um, away from the persecution, uh, covered and protected by the mountains and the, and the valleys in that area. So it's, 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 it's neat. It's interesting how things come full circle, right? Now, there were some people groups like the Ammonites who just kind of disappeared. What happened to them? Well, it's like God said. And, and it wouldn't be the first time. When you study people groups over the, the millennia, you see these things happen. Verse 15 through 17, judgment on Philistia. They were a seafaring people, right? They had port cities. However, their comfort zones were destroyed, especially when the Greeks and the Romans came by sea. So you look at to the east was was um, to the east was it was Babylon, Medo-Persia. But then the new kids on the block started rising up the Greeks and the Romans, which they, they came actually from the west and they would come by ship a lot of times. So, again, everything that God says comes to pass. He says, you shall know that I am the Lord. This is important. And again, I always say that I don't need to be God's spokesperson or his PR person or to make the scripture sound more palatable. I, I don't do that. But what I do do is give you a lot of information. And what happens is the people groups, including the Israelites, were so bound up by their nationalism over God, their false gods over God, their decadent culture over God. So God had to wake them up a little bit. As Pastor Vinny said, he would have to shake them to wake them, right? Um, so these things happen. And I got to be honest with you. I know for me, I was I witnessed too many a times in my teens and 20s. And I was like, yeah, it sounds interesting. But life had to knock me around a little bit before I actually was a little bit more pliable to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Just saying. So I look at it this way. Are some, some of God's warnings harsh? Yes. But to some, that's the only way they're going to get saved. Going back to Ezekiel's wife, right? At the end of the day, at the end of the world, God wants as many people as possible in his heaven. To some, they come easy to the cross. To some, like me, they had to be dragged a little bit like a mule. But here I am, you know what I'm saying? And I'm never going to look back. 
Why would I go back to my old life? So when you start to look at what God says, where's America? Where's our culture? The more we move against uh, Jesus Christ and the Judeo-Christian values, the more hostile our culture becomes. And this, I'm actually amazed that this, um, I, I try to follow the culture a little bit and famous people and celebrities. And there are some that I'm actually a little surprised that are coming out and speaking against this cancel culture. And they were in it. They were in the, the they were in the in crowd. I think of Nicki Minaj. I think of uh, Bill Maher. I think of Terry Crews. I think of uh, Rihanna has been sending some signals. Um, and some of these people are like, wait a minute, now they want to think for us? They want to jump on us every time we do something wrong? I don't want to live under that. So I, that's kind of cool. I like that. So I'm still following that. We can talk about it after service. Verse tw- uh, chapter 26, he continues. Now we're looking at Tyre, which was that northwest coastal city, Tyre and Sidon. And it came to pass in the 11th year, on the first day of the month, Ezekiel even gives the exact date that he's given these prophecies. So people can go back and say, oh, yeah, this, wow, that's amazing. You know, they, they need to know, they need to see God through the prophecies, right? That the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, Ezekiel, because Tyre has said against Jerusalem, aha, she is broken, who was the gateway to the peoples of the peoples. Now she's turned over to me. This is Tyre saying this. I shall be filled. She is laid waste. Interesting. Therefore, says the Lord God, because I'm against you, O Tyre, and will cause many nations to come up against you as the sea causes its waves to come up. They shall destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers. I will also scrape her dust from her and make her like the top of a rock. It shall be a place for spreading nets in the midst of the sea. For I have spoken, says the Lord God, it shall become plunder for the nations. Also her daughter villages, which are in the field, shall be slain by the sword. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Again, this didn't have to happen. This was before it took place. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I will bring against Tyre from the north Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. King of kings with horses and chariots, with horsemen and an army with many people. He will slay the sword, slay with the sword your daughter villages in the fields. He will heap up a siege mound against you, build a wall against you, and raise a defense against you. He will direct his battering rams against your walls, and with his axes he will break down your towers. Because of the abundance of his horses, their dust will cover you. When you're in a dusty area or, like, you know, it's not a concrete jungle asphalt everywhere when the horses come and there's thousands of them it's like a dust storm so these things literally took place your walls will shake at the noise of the horsemen the wagons the chariots when he enters your gates as men men enter a city that has been breached with the hooves of his horses he will trample all your streets he will slay your people by the sword and your strong pillars will fall to the ground all their architectural prideful ventures They will plunder your riches and pillage your merchandise. They will break down your walls and destroy your pleasant houses. They, this is interesting, they will lay your stones, your timber, and your soil in the midst of the water. Why? I'm going to come back to that. I will put an end to the sound of your songs, and the sound of your harp shall be heard no more. I will make you like the top of a rock. Again, you shall be a place for spreading nets, and you shall never be rebuilt. For I, the Lord, have spoken, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to Tyre. Will the coastlands not shake at the sound of your fall? When the wounded cry, when slaughter is made in the midst of you, then all the princes of the sea will come down from their thrones, lay aside their robes, take off their embroidered garments. They will clothe themselves with trembling. 
They will sit on the ground, tremble every moment, and be astonished at you. And they will take up a lamentation for you and say to you, How have you perished, O one inhabited by seafaring men? O renowned city, who was strong at sea? She and her inhabitants, who caused the terror to be on all her inhabitants. Now the coastlands tremble on the day of your fall? Yes, the coastlands by the sea are troubled at your departure. For thus does the Lord God, when I make you a desolate city, like cities that are not inhabited, when I bring the deep upon you and great waters cover you, then I'll bring you down to those who descend into the pit. It's a change of, of metaphors here, a little bit more literal. To the people of old, I will make you dwell in the lowest part of the earth, in places desolate from antiquity. With those who go down to the pit, so that you may never be inhabited, and I shall establish glory in the land of the living. I will make you a terror, and you shall be no more. Though you are sought for, you will never be found again, says the Lord God. So two out of three is his now attention, right? He talked about Moab, Ammon, Edom. He moved to Philistia. Now he's going to Tyre, a.k.a. from history in high school, the Phoenicians. So verse 2, he says um, of Tyre, speaking figuratively, if the nation was personification, a person, that Judah is now turned over to me. I'm going to be filled. See, what happened was before uh, trains, right, cargo moving quickly through trains and, you know, cargo planes and all that kind of stuff, they had trade routes, if you understand ancient peoples. The 20th century saw a lot of changes in technology and how things were moved, shipping and such, goods were moved. So the trade routes were key, and a lot of those trade routes went through Israel. And some of the surrounding nations had to go through Israel. They might have to pay a tax. They might have to give some of their wares. Uh, You know, it was the price of doing business. Seafaring people and, and seaport cities. I was uh, one of my majors in college was economics. It's actually fascinating how economics, government, war, um, and trade all kind of work together, right? As a matter of fact, this was unusual because if you had a, a nation that had a had a port city that was involved in trade with the world, you were a little reticent to destroy it. That's why, even though, right, let's go to today, Washington, D.C., and Beijing, there's been some tension over the years. However, to actually go to war would mess everything up. That's a street term, mess everything up. Uh, Because you would throw off the world trade, and the other nations would get ticked off of the two that started the engagement. Now, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but I'm saying it's purposely delayed by both nations who have interests in I hate to say, keeping their politicians wealthy. So let's just leave it at that. So whether we're talking about 3,000 years ago or today, I'm blessed. I have a lot of experience that the Lord is. I had no idea when I was in college that I was going to be doing this. But I'm able to pull from my experience and my majors to explain a lot of this, this information. So what? Somebody destroyed Tyre? The Babylonians? What, what, what are we going to do now? Can we still get their goods and service? You see where I'm going with this? So it makes it more fantastic when it happens because God said it would happen and people said, no, 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 it's not going to happen. Well, it did. All right. Anyway, Tyre thought, wow, the Babylonians took over Judah. Awesome. We're going to march in and take over their trade routes. Hey, think again. It didn't happen because now the Babylonians are coming after you. (laughs) Forget about the trade routes. You're going to have to learn how to defend yourself. 
This is even more fascinating. When we see about why would you take, break down these walls and, and the stones that you could use to rebuild a garrison and have your troops stationed there, they're throwing everything in the water. Read this in like the, the Living Bible or something. It, it kind of brings out more of the flavor. Did you know, verses 12 through 16, in 332 BC, Alexander the Great of Greece made a man-made jetty right off of the coast to get to the island city of Tyre. Watch this. When the Babylonians invaded, and this is all history, what would often happen with the Tyrians or Tyrians or whatever you want to call them is when they felt there was an invasion imminent, they would try to defend the, the land, but they would take their boats and move all their stuff to this, this little island right off the coast. It wasn't far. Then they would use their navy and, and they would have their walls and they were often able to thwart all of these successive empires by retreating into the, into the island city. Alexander the Great said, nope. He had his soldiers for months take all the debris and just keep throwing it in the water. A certain width, throw more in the water. And the Tyrians were probably freaking out saying they're getting closer. He had his probably his archers and his spearmen and his shields and all his equipment. And he's getting closer and closer to the city. The people of Tyre never prepared for that. They probably thought this guy's crazy. Sadly enough, he was a pagan, Alexander, but he was a military genius. So that's how he was able to get into the island city, destroy it. And you know what happened after that? It was only good for fishermen to spread their nets on. They used it to fish in the fishing industry. And fast forward hundreds of years later, thousands of years later. So, (laughs) you know, they're still finding stuff in the water that Alexander and his men threw in there. As a matter of fact, there was a new tier built. The city was so destroyed that they were, before it became Lebanon, um, I believe right in that area, they built another tier because it just was so messy. And a lot of stuff was thrown into the water. So just like God said, verses 19 through 21, he speaks about the pit, the lowest parts of the earth versus the land of the living. What God is saying is, is that if you die in this wickedness, you're going to go to the realm of the dead. Now, in the Old Testament, they didn't understand all the teachings of heaven, uh, the lake of fire, the things that Jesus taught about. They went with their primitive understanding before in the New Testament, these things were revealed in a greater way. But what God was saying to them is, it's not just bad that you could lose your life, but if you die in this wickedness, you're going to lose your soul too. So that's what he's talking about. And when he says, I will make you a terror, not that they were a terror to others, but that the world would see what happened to them and it would be it would be something that would be wow look what happened to them right so you've heard from rags to riches god took them from riches and brought them to rags and i'll just say this that anyone who's on the wrong path this morning 2021 back then before you die you can get on the right path right god's desire is for all to repent all to come to the knowledge of salvation So it's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, last chapter, verse 27, or chapter 27. The word of the Lord came again to me. Now he's using metaphors and symbolism again, illustrations, things that everybody could understand. Now, son of man, Ezekiel, take up a lamentation. Lamentation is sad. It's like almost a funeral dirge. 
It's a sad thing is happening. It sounds good in the beginning, but you know, there's going to be a shipwreck metaphor too. Say to Tyr, you who are situated at the entrance to the sea, merchant of the peoples on many coastlands. If you were here for the Revelation study, try to remember some of the things that I taught in Revelation 16, 17, 18, and the, my opening in Revelation 19. You're going to see a parallel. Again, does the, does the human race change over thousands of years? Not really. People do the same thing. So this this city that everybody marveled over, and today you'd look at it and go, what? That's because you didn't know it in its former glory. Well, the same thing is going to happen in the future to 2021 when he speaks about this mystery Babylon and this city that's destroyed. And I talked to you about Beijing and Moscow and uh, Washington, D.C. And the, and the ports and, you know, all the commerce that happens and the wealth of a lot of these places, untold wealth. Trillions of dollars probably doesn't even cover it. Um, this, if you go to Washington, D.C. and you get in with the right people, you'll be an instant millionaire. I hate to say it. And, the, and American people just keep voting in the same people. They don't understand it. You, they're just dumbing down our history. That's the problem. You know, powerful people, and even in this country, are so busy pointing at other things. It's a diversion. You're not seeing what they're doing, right? And I'm talking about both parties here. Both parties. Um, where was I? Okay. So there is going to be a repeat of this in the future to 2021. I believe that the church will be removed, will be raptured, will be a good thing before everything starts to fall apart. But you're also going to see a lot of lamentation. So he says, he says, O tear 3B, you have said, I am perfect in beauty. So this is a personification of the city speaking about itself. He says, your borders are in the midst of the seas. Your builders have perfected your beauty. They made all of your planks of fir trees from Sinir. They took a cedar from Lebanon to make you a mast. Of oaks from Bashan, they made your oars. The company of Asherites have inlaid your planks with your planks. With ivory from the coast of Cyprus, you've seen precious metals, rare things coming from all over the world to make this ship. Fine embroidered linen from Egypt. What you spread for your sail, blue and purple from the coast of Elisha, which was what covered you. Inhabitants of Sidon and Arvad were your oarsmen. Your own wise men, Otir, were in you. They became your pilots. Elders of Gibel and its wise men were in you to caulk your seams. All the ships of the sea and their oarsmen were in you to market your merchandise. Those from Persia, Lydia, and Libya were in your army as men of war. They hung shield and helmet in you. They gave splendor to you. Men of Arvad with your army were on your walls all around and the men of Gamad were in your towers they hung their shields on your walls all around they made your beauty perfect Tarshish was your merchant because of your many luxury goods they gave you silver iron tin and lead for your goods Javan Tubal and Meshech were your traders they bartered human lives and vessels of bronze for your merchandise that also is going it's happening in mystery Babylon by the way I'll come to that those from the house of Tamarga traded from your wares with horses, steeds, and mules. The men of Dedan were your traders. Many isles were the markets of your hand. They brought you ivory tusks and ebony as payment. Now, these are not all good things. It just shows you the opulence of this nation and the excess that it had. Syria was your merchant because of the abundance of goods you made. They gave you for your wares emeralds purple embroidered. 
fine linen, corals, and rubies. Judah and the land of Israel were your traders. They traded for your merchandise, wheat of minneth, millet, honey, oil, and balm. Damascus was your merchant because of the abundance of goods you made. So now we're in Syria. Because of your many luxury items and the wine of Helbon and the white wool. Dan and Javan paid for your wares, traversing back and forth. Wrought iron, cassia, and cane were your merchandise. Dedan was your merchant in saddle cloths for riding. Arabia and all the princes of Kedar. We're all over the world here. This is a global community here. We are, this is the old version of globalism. Your regular merchants, they traded with you in lambs, rams, and goats. The merchants of Sheba and Ramo, your merchants, they traded for your wares. The choice of spices, all kinds of precious stones and gold. Haran, Cana, Eden, the merchants of Sheba, Assyria, and Shilmad were your merchants. These were your merchants in choice items in purple cloths, clothes. Purple dye was extremely expensive. It's not like you can go to the, the grocery store and pick up all the different colored dyes. They're made uh, in a different way now. But certain colors came from mollusks or certain uh, natural items that it was very expensive to harvest and make. So there's a reason it keeps saying purple. In embroidered garments and chests of multicolored apparel, in strong twine cords were in your marketplace. The ships of Tarshish were carriers of your merchandise. You were filled and very glorious in the midst of the seas. Your oarsmen brought you into many waters. But here's where everything changes. The east wind broke you in the midst of the seas. The east winds, Babylonians came from the east. Your riches, wares, and merchandise, your mariners and pilots, your caulkers and merchandisers, all your men of war who were in you and the entire company which is in your midst will fall in the midst of the seas on the day of your ruin. The common land will shake at the sound of the cry of your pilots. All who handle, handle the oar, the mariners, all the pilots of the sea will come down from their ships and stand on the shore. They will make their voice heard because of you. They will cry bitterly and cast dust on their heads. They will roll about in ashes. There was a, um, a storm once in one of the coastal places in the United States, and all of these yachts were like in people's front yards. <laughs> the masts were busted. There was holes in the hull. Um, and we've seen this with hurricanes and stuff. We're so fragile here. But, you know, this is kind of an interesting metaphor. They will shave themselves completely bald because of you, gird themselves with sackcloth and weep for you with bitterness of heart and bitter wailing in their wailing for you. They will take up a lamentation and lament for you. What city was like Tyre, destroyed in the midst of the sea? Babylon. Babylon has fallen. The merchants of the earth and the captains and the mighty men lamented for Babylon. See the parallels there. When your wares went out by sea, you satisfied many people. You enriched the kings of the earth with your many luxury goods and your merchandise. When you are broken by the seas in the depths of water, your merchandise and the entire company will fall in your midst. All the inhabitants of the isles will be astonished at you. Their kings will be greatly afraid and their countenance will be troubled. The merchants among the peoples will hiss at you. You will become a horror and be no more forever. So three out of three, we're done with the scripture at this point. Is the lament over Tyre, verses 1 through 11, you see this beautiful description of a stately ship with precious items from all over the world, oarsmen and captains and pilots, and they all come, and again, it's a metaphor for this, this port city. Verses 12 through 24, you see Tyre's or Tyre's global footprint on the world. Global footprint on the world. Verse 13, and I make this parallel because you can tend to think, oh, these are all cool. I'd like, I'd like to have a boat like that. 
but he talks about bartering in, in human lives and slaves, which will also happen in Mystery Babylon. Verses 25 through 28, the metaphor of the, the shipwreck and the, all the treasures to the bottom of the sea. They have these, these things now, and the Titanic, you know, they've, there's been submarines, there's been ships, there's been old wooden ships. There's so much stuff in the bottom of the ocean, you know. The ocean has been gobbling up uh, ships for thousands of years. But they have these things called bathyscaves which are, uh, they're mechanical, robotic, pressurized, and they go down real deep where people can't go. They can pick up samples. They can take pictures. They're kind of cool little things. They propel themselves. So as I was thinking of this, and I'm reading this, you know, Titanic, Nazi sunken treasures, like there's all these mysteries of things that were transported by boat that sunk, and people are interested in now in the treasures. But tier was destroyed. It lost everything. Verse 29 through 36 is the lamentation by the world. We saw a little taste of this during COVID, didn't we? With the supply chain breaks, right? First it was everybody was fighting each other in the store for toilet paper. Oh my goodness, paper towels. Now there's no meats. Now there's no this. Now there's no that. You know, now they're still talking about problems with the supply chain. I, t- my wife and I know a lot of small business owners. They're struggling even to get employees. Just a little virus that wreaked havoc on the world. Um, every country, right? We don't realize as human beings how fragile we are. And the things we've created and invented are fragile too. It doesn't take much to knock everything out of kilter, so to speak. So... You know, we can see this happening if, God forbid, um, Washington, D.C. Uh, was attacked, right? Or a certain port city in the United States with a, a dirty bomb or something. How would that affect the trade industry? How would that affect shipping? How would that affect every other country that either we're supposed to get stuff from or we're supposed to export? Huge. It would be, it would be a huge thing. Right. And I think that if it wasn't for the fact that we're all interconnected, something probably would have happened by now. Um, How do I say this? Folks, you know, I have a, a solid brother in the Lord who said to me, I got saved in a church. He goes, but I, I wasn't taught how to defend my faith. I wasn't taught. I, they never read Revelation. I wasn't taught things that that should prepare me spiritually. I wasn't taught things that I should know. They were very surface, the church. You know, I had that same path in my late 20s. I thought, you know, I was in a denomination my whole life. Now I go to a Bible-believing church. I'm actually learning stuff. God actually tells us the future. He tells us not to worry because we should trust him, but he also shows us what the end game is. And that should give us peace, folks. When people ask, you know, for me personally, I know how it all ends. I know how the movie ends. Spoiler alert. It's right in the scripture. We're, there's a lot of Christians today in America that are totally ignorant of things that are going to happen, that are happening right under our noses. They have no clue. Maybe they don't go to church. Maybe they haven't read these things in the scripture. God lays it all out for us. It's really not a secret at this point. And how could he know these things? 
because he's God, because he's outside of time. There are people who consider themselves Christians that are supporting groups and organizations that are moving the foundation for an aggressive globalist movement so that the Antichrist can sit on it. The Antichrist, people laugh when you say that. Well, how about if I say he's, a, he's probably a politician right now, he's very charismatic, he's all into globalism, and he's going to look out at the world and he's going to start solving everyone's problems in the Middle East, in the United States. Now do I have your attention? So when we, we look at Tyre, that happened thousands of years ago, but God also points to this future globalist movement where port cities are involved, where uh, the church has, thank God, been removed. And the world in its hubris and its pride is going to struggle. Everyone's going to have a problem with this Babylon has fallen idea. Listen, God humbled the Israelites. They were the apple of his eye. He had to. He also humbled the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. Today, he's going to humble Europe, the Far East, the Middle East, the Near East, and the United States and the Southern continents. No one is going to be outside of it. If he was faithful to humble them, he's going to be faithful to humble the earth. Why? Because even in the seven-year tribulation, people are still going to get saved. But why would you want to wait that long? Why would you want to wait that long? And, you know, when you look at, just look it up. It's, you can get it on any search engine. The World Economic Forum, you got, who I think is a total kook, Bill Gates. There was an interview with him about his connection to Jerry Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. I read body language. He was very uncomfortable with that interview. Um, some of these, uh, Klaus Schwab, some of these billionaire globalists who are basically saying that no nations should have sovereignty, that it shouldn't be up to us to choose who leads. These people are the elites. They're talking about uh, global monetization. It's easy for me to say. Monetization. <laughs> I did it. And listen, if people get upset, they get upset. I do try to talk about politics as far as geopolitics. If we keep spend, economics major, we keep spending money the way we do, and we go through this $3.5 trillion package, and then there's going to be another one. Honestly, I think it's done purposefully. It will devalue the dollar to the point where we will have to go into Because this is what they do. They create problems, and then they create solutions. And it's their solutions. Look it up. World Economic Forum, Davos Agenda. Look at all these powerful people who are in this. Global monetization. Digital currency. Mark of the beast. It's subtle, but it's happening. So, at the end of the day, justice for everyone. Whether it was 3,000 years ago or today or our future, Lord's going to mete out justice. Thankfully, from what I read in scripture, we're not going to be here when all this starts to crash. So what, what, what do we take away? What's to come away with this whole thing is to keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Because it's going to be a bumpy ride. I don't think we're going back to the old way. I really don't. There are too many powerful people that it's in their best interest that we move into this system. In Revelation 19, in my opening, I talked about, and this is before all these laws and bills started to happen, right? These executive orders. I said it before it happened, but I would extrapolate it through, these, through the scripture. 
especially in the United States. We have to be broken down. We have to be federalized. We have to be centralized. And then we have to be aggressively globalized. So when you don't like something, oh, we're in a UN treaty. You can't even blame anybody today who's enforcing it. Go to Switzerland. Maybe they can help you with your redresses. Go take a plane over there. Oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, so this is where we're at. Um, it's exciting. It's, it's the truth. It's been said over and over again, and we're starting to see it. So John 3.16, for God so loved the world. God doesn't love the world system, the evil system that's poised against him. He loves the people in the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. In, in the Revelation series, the one part of the scripture, the Lord is saying to the people, even in the Babylonian system, this future thing, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and her plagues. God is still pleading with the world in the midst of this insanity to be saved. That's how much he loves the world, but he did give us free will. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.